Welcome to a very interesting new format of Take a Pause, we're trying out where we oftentimes get questions from all of you in comments, in DMs, across the board. Thought, why not do an episode where I answer your questions? But to make it more interesting, I have not seen any of these questions. Um, 20 questions, 21 questions or, or how, how many ever, I don't even know how many questions these are, have been picked by the team. And I'm just going to try and answer them as soon as I see them. So in case you want to run through all the questions, you can. In case you want to skip to a particular question, you can too. If you're on YouTube, you're going to see this in the time code. If you're in audio, that's going to be a little tougher for you to do. But the idea is to make this a fun experience for you and also interesting for me. So I'm not thinking too far about what I'm answering. But before we go into the questions, I want to make sure you hit subscribe, smash that bell icon, going into the questions or other questions. Ritika asks, how to deal with information overload? So I struggle with information overload a lot. Um, it's one of those pieces which I've actually learned about in recent times is the fact that if you actually load your mind with too much information, not just less information, it actually takes your feeling of like self-control, it kind of goes away. So, you know, you don't feel that sense of self-control. You kind of feel like, you know, that you are almost building up a sense of feeling overwhelmed. And that actually makes your mind feel like you're under some form of danger. It pushes you down a slope of feeling like you need to run away from anything which you're doing right now. So the idea is whenever you kind of feel that happening, stop yourself and ask yourself, do I need to consume this information now? And oftentimes you sit with it yourself and ask that question of yourself. You find a way to not go beyond the overload point. That's what I do at least. Javed asks, what do you do during your breaks, vacations to rejuvenate yourself? Um, so when I'm on a break, um, I try to switch off from any form of social media as much as possible. Try to go to a place where I'm closer to nature. Also with people who I'm really you know, close to, my, my inner circle of people. And as much as you might feel a break is about you kind of going there and, you know, and, and trying out too many things and having too many experiences, you know, when you come back from those breaks and vacations, you feel like you need a vacation to move beyond that vacation. Um, and so what I always try to do is make sure that my breaks aren't hectic. Try to go to one place, roam around, have some experiences, get to relax. But again, don't overwhelm yourself with things. You know, you can take a few things and enjoy them really well. Be present in them. Instead of thinking about, okay, I need to get 20 things done today, which means I will not sleep. That's not going to be enjoyable for you. And you'll need a vacation after your vacation. Anshula Gupta asks, how do I handle overthinking? So I'm a serial overthinker. I did an episode a while back with Meredith Arthur, um, who talks about overthinking in this book called Get Out of My Head. And she actually spoke about overthinking as actually a superpower, right? You can actually use that in the, in the best possible way. There are ways for you to channel it because when you overthink things, you're also really running through all the scenarios that might happen. The problem is, is we tend to do it infinitely. We tend to not stop ourselves from overthinking. So if you actually sit down and say, I will overthink this right now, but I'm stopping that in half an hour. It's the same goes with procrastination as well as overthinking, right? You've got to move to a decision. You also got to move towards the simple fact that you can only control a few things. And most things we overthink about are out of our control. So why are you focusing on things that are out of your control? Just focus on the stuff that's in your control. And that generally 
for an, coming from an overthinker has helped me be a less hectic overthinker and or rather a less stressful overthinker so want to see how many of these papers actually fall on the desk um if you're watching this video you got to count how many of these when i flip them will be actually land up on the desk um and drop that in the comments okay part trivedi 22 asks how to say focused all the time so you can't stay focused all the time i don't think it's possible for our minds to stay focused all the time there's a certain period of time that the human mind can actually stay focused um and that varies from person to person just depends on how much you practice so don't put the pressure on yourself to be focused all the time if you decided to stay focused for an hour make sure you move away all the stuff that are distractions you can go to are things that you can kind of say okay this is too tough i want to move to that right now take all those things away um start slow 15 minutes half an hour one hour and generally one two hours or maybe three hours of focus time is what you'll end up getting as an individual so don't put that overt pressure of saying okay i'm not focusing i'm not focusing i'm not focusing then what ends up happening is that you're not focusing so you'd rather give yourself a shorter period of time to focus take a break come back focus again shush art to heart as i'm worried about trying something new what if i fail i have very low self esteem how do i overcome this so we all worry about trying something new because we fear judgment we worried about the fact that we will fail at it because it's new we worry about the simple fact that how will people judge us because of how we performing in it but if you kind of go back to the time when you were a kid everything was new right um when a kid falls off no one's going to laugh at them uh when a kid tries something like kind of rolls around somewhere and, and falls down you're not turn to them saying oh you didn't do this right not judging them as you get older a fear of judgment rises so think about the simple fact that you'll only be able to get better if you try something you only be able to realize if you actually enjoy something or if figuring out is something that you really want to do if you give it a shot so take small steps realize that you're just a kid trying something out what's the worst that will happen you will fall on your bum and just look at it that way and um, take a small step and try it out that that's what i do most times and also i can't tell myself that worst case i'll just look stupid which is fine because you know i don't necessarily want to care about what someone's judgment of me is i care more about my own judgment of myself and have i really experienced something new and that kind of takes away that pressure over time kanchan budlani asks what to do if you are unsuccessful all the time even after giving you 100% so yeah everyone talks to you about failure right i tell you that you know failing is important you, you know and that you learn from your failures and you move ahead often times it's also important to know when you fail at something so often that maybe it's not something you should really focus on and you got to realize that is there something you should really be doing is there something else which you should focus on to take that call is actually one of the toughest calls to take for you to turn around and say that this is not the path i should be on because i'm continuously not being able to do it is there something else for me to do so you got to think about that as well and which is something which we don't talk about enough is that failure doesn't mean you continue on the same path by learning from it failure is actually you realizing that do i alter my path to move towards something that's better that's how i always looked at it is that whenever i'm really bad at something I don't focus on the weak points I focus on the strong points and try to change and rather navigate myself towards the stronger points and that's brought a lot more confidence and a lot more 
I would say it's moved me forward a lot more than leaving me stuck. So give that a shot if that's an option for you. Otherwise, you just got to take it a step at a time, a day at a time. And eventually, I am a believer that things do work out. But I would still say that calibrate if you can alter your path. Wow, that one really tried to fall off. Priyanka B2188 asks, how do you deal with a toxic boss? Have I had a toxic boss? Have I had a toxic boss? Um, I've had some semi, semi-toxic bosses in the past. Um, I've been in a le- leadership position for a long time. I feel the only way to deal with someone who's toxic is to set your boundaries and to tell them this is how you want to function. And over time, you will realize that either they will realize that what they're doing is toxic and what they're doing is affecting you that way, or you will realize that that's not really the space for you to be in or the organization for you to be in. You got to chart that out for yourself. And the more boundaries you set and the more open you are about those boundaries for yourself, it's as simple as saying, I don't want to respond to work um, calls or emails post certain hour. And that's your right to say that. And occasionally you can kind of come in and do that if, if your work really requires you to do it. But once you make it a habit for someone, they don't, they kind of think that your boundary allows them to kind of come in in your non-work hours and ask you to do that. So set your boundaries and be open about it. And if it's the right kind of person you're working with, they will learn from it and evolve. If they don't, you kind of have your answer as well. Ananta Sai Monica asks, how to build trust and respect in relationships? So trust and respect kind of build over time. Um, it's not something you build instantly in a relationship. You do it by being open to understanding the other person's perspective. You build it by showcasing what you're feeling as well, not assuming people understand what's going on in your own head. But you also do this by treating every day as a scenario where you are no longer now a singular entity and that you're working as a partnership. And in any partnership, there is give and take, but there's also allowing each of you to have your own space. And it takes time to build that in. Um, it takes time to figure out how those things work. And, and oftentimes those things go away, but you build trust, you know, you, you build respect by really being there when things matter, by really kind of understanding the other person's emotions, but also not relying on the other person for everything, right? You are responsible for your own happiness as well. Um, you are responsible for your own individuality. So it doesn't mean giving it all away. That doesn't get you respect. That doesn't get you, you know, um, that level of trust. But to find that balance and that only comes with time. You know, you, again, I, I, my, one of my favorite things to say is take it a day at a time because you've got to kind of build that trust almost like blocks from time to time. And whenever that trust goes off, because things do go wrong, um, you have to then work to rebuild that because it takes a lot more time to build it and, and far lesser time for things to kind of break down. So keep that in mind and use these elements to kind of build trust and respect. What to do when you've been on survival mode for too long and forget how it feels to be normal? It's from Vintage Aquarius. It's a tough one, right? Um, if you've been in survival mode for a long time, it's tough to kind of get back to normal. Um, and I feel things like therapy really help in this case. Um, it's not something you can just kind of redo by yourself. Um, therapy has been one of the most important things that I've added to, to my life. It's helped me reflect on, on how I function. It's helped me understand um, 
what pieces are helpful to me not helpful to me but more than anything else i feel for you to come back to some form of normalcy to move away from survival you have to figure out that we often believe we're always on uh, what i like to call general mode right we're always in a war front we're always in like really fighting to survive and at some point you realize that life actually is normal but you're still treating it like it's a battle and you got to think about the fact that are you still in a battle or are you imagining that you're still in one and if you aren't then you can kind of almost like reflecting and realizing that helps but i would really say that you know if if this if i'm looking at this question and saying that this requires you to speak to someone who is a specialist uh, and even a few sessions actually give you a lot of clarity about how your mind's working and how you can kind of move away from this frame of mind the fact that you ask this question means that you're on the right path is how i'd like to put it ajesh guleria asks tell us about your favorite book oh it's a tough one um i have many many favorite books um it's about a at the, right now it's a book the book i'm reading is becoming one of my favorite books it's called the creative act by rick rubin rick rubin is arguably one of the world's greatest music producers he's written a book about the creative process it is beautiful i think so many like i'm 3/4 through and i want to read it twice more at least but if i kind of go back over the last year or two 4000 weeks is one of my favorite books if i go lifetime and stuff to pick a book from a lifetime but um, if i had to pick one book to give someone um i would give um, still insist the key but i'm holiday it's it's uh, fundamentally changed how i think it's it taught me how taking a pause really helps so yeah still insist the key recent times 4000 weeks and right now it's uh, the creative act Vasundras how to deal with friendship breakups so friendships are tricky things right um friendships are relationships or other our family we choose to have so apart from the family we born with i feel the closest people we build over time are friends but as we all grow and evolve um the tendencies of friends to also kind of drift apart uh, for you no longer for you to no longer be in a spot where you are connected to each other in as friends and i think it happens in two ways one way is that i feel naturally you drift apart and that's fine you pick up where you left off whenever you catch up or you kind of actually break that relationship apart and when that kind of happens it's important for you and it and you shouldn't have expectations of of the other person you should say that for you it's important to be clear about why you believe you know you either want to hit stop on this friendship or you want to say okay i want to reduce the amount of time we spend together or or anything of that sort it's important for you to be clear about why and in the most clear and i would say in the most friendly manner and most humane manner and direct manner tell the other person because that's the best thing you can do for them is that you don't hold on to a friendship because you've been friends for so long you hold on to a friendship because it's giving you both an immense amount of joy and and love and and satisfaction right now and it's going to continue to give that to you in the future if it's not going to you're doing both of you a disservice by sticking to it so have a clear conversation and sometimes you actually realize that maybe you do want to stay friends and what is leading you to break up is actually something that's only in your head or only in the other person's head and even if you are breaking up at that point if they truly were a good friend they'll understand and you never know might just pick up at some point of time later in life or never pick it up but at least you've ended it in the right possible note um with 
I would say the right amount of closure. I've had a few of those. SP Kumar Murli asks, how to stop living in our minds? It's a tough one, right? Um, we live a lot in our minds. Um, we talk to ourselves in many different tones through our own, um, the way our, our mind talks to us. But I feel that how do you st how to stop living in our minds is to actually take what's in your mind and putting down on paper. I feel writing something down on paper, not typing it out, taking a pen or a pencil, taking a book and writing out your thoughts is one of the best ways to not overload your mind and not stop and to kind of stop living in it. There is something and it's, it's, it's been clinically proven from everything which I've read is that when you put something down on paper, it's like you having a conversation with yourself and you're also like taking and rather downloading all the stuff off your head onto paper. So you feel less heavy and you tend to not feel as stuck in your head as you would otherwise. So how do you stop living in your mind is by taking all the stuff you don't want to keep in your head, putting it on paper and have that conversation. Just reduce the noise, reduce the chatter as it's called in your head. Because everything your mind's telling you isn't necessarily true. Your mind's often telling you things that push you down the wrong direction, um, push the wrong kind of emotions in your head. So I would say put it on paper. Hope this helps. Path but lost us. Do you think manifestation works? Uh, okay. I was never a believer in manifestation. Um, I still don't know if I entirely am. I live with someone who totally believes. Um, I'm, I'm married to someone who totally believes in manifestation. I'm a, I'm a 60, 40 pro it now. I was a 40, 60 before. Because I believe manifestation does one thing. You know, putting something out into the universe is almost you pushing all your energies, your mindset, everything else in a certain direction. It's the best way to push yourself forward down a certain path by manifesting it. So whether it comes true or not, it's a forward moving activity. You know, it's, it's kind of pushing you ahead. It's pushing you forward. So I believe manifestation works in that sense. Will it come true in the exact same way you manifest? Maybe not. But is it pushing you in the right direction? Yes, it will. So in that context, I believe manifestation works. But I've been surprised many times uh, with putting stuff out there and, and seeing how it actually comes back to you, um, I, which has kind of moved me towards a little bit uh, more of a believer in this case. At some point, I would figure out how many of these papers are actually on the desk. I hope you're counting. Frame zoned. Frame zoned asks, why is being nice considered a weakness and not a strength? Um, one of my favorite quotes, I don't think it's a quote, it's like a sticker, which used to be my mom's um, cupboard when I was growing up, is good things happen to nice people. I've always followed that in life. I truly believe in it. But I learned a while back, and there's, there's um, an episode I did with... Uh, Prakhar um, on Take A Pause, where he spoke about the difference between being nice and having grace. And being graceful is you really, you know, behaving the right way with people, really acting in the right way with people without having them believe they can, you know, push you aside or, or use you in the wrong form. And he had this perspective that niceness is often a weakness, but being graceful is a strength. I kind of believe those lines are blurred, at least in my head. I, I, I still haven't really figured out the difference between grace and being nice. 
but what i would say is that whenever you feel like you being nice is being taken advantage of it's you being gullible rather than nice it's you evading taking hard calls because you believe people are not going to like you so think about that line between nice and gullible and whenever you feel it's going in that direction when you're getting taken advantage of or it's becoming a true weakness for you push yourself a little bit further down the nice slope rather than the gullible slope and maybe it actually becomes the strongest part of you i truly believe in that I truly believe that being nice to people gives you a lot of strength and um, if we are all nice to each other i think we far happier world and far nicer world to deal with that fell down peter us what is plot device ah so plot device is a company i set up a few years ago um it was primarily to you know be a space for all the content i was creating it's evolving into a space to truly share um almost things people can learn from and use in their own lives you know add to their own toolkit add their own manuals in life so they can use it so it's uh, it's a creative studio where you're building content to help you learn and for you to use things in your own life that's what plot device is because a plot device is a device that helps move a story along and that way what you want to do is help you move your story along in life by giving you things you can use to push you ahead this paper fell right here captain varun asks how do you know you found your partner in life so i'll give you context before i met my wife pooja the longest relationship i had had was 6 months i'd had many relationships nothing crossed that period of time now be married to her for 10 years we got married 4 months after we met 3 to 4 months after we met sometimes the time needs to be right for you and for the other person both of you need to be aligned towards where you want your life to go together there needs to be love but some of these other elements really you know uh, are important and you kind of then take the take the call basis all of those does it feel right does it feel like you both want to go on this journey together and that's how i took that call um, and that's i know that's how pooja took the call and we kind of both sensed it i feel you generally do sense it if you believe you're aligned in that sense but um, is there a magic formula for that there isn't if there was and that would be the app everybody would want to use i don't have the answer but this is how i figured it out also you got to like genuinely want this person to be your companion for life um be your partner for life in everything you do and if you kind of believe that and you both work towards evolving in that direction because a partnership or a marriage is as much about how you work on it as it is about you just getting married and so you got to both commit to working on it in the long term and that's how you know you found the right person and this papers are not flying anywhere how many questions are these silent soul with gratitude ask should i heal first or grab a chance to do something there is this concept of moving forward rather than moving ahead and it comes from the fact that when you have been through some form of feeling hurt having some sense of having some trauma in your life you know how people say that just move ahead you know move on from this but i heard this a while back and i'm forgetting um where i heard it i think it was a, a ted talk which i saw 
which talks about the concept of moving forward because you never truly leave experiences you've had in your life behind you carry them with you what you have to work towards is are you carrying them with you in a way that is helping you move forward or are you carrying them with you in a way that's it's like pulling you down is really putting you in that hole and you got to figure at which point you transition from one to the other and that's the point you grab a chance to do something and that's something which only you can realize um again i i'm going to continually say this in many of these questions on therapy really helps working with some really helps for you to realize the point when this is no longer baggage for you to carry or to pull you down but this is almost something you've been through that you are using in a way to push yourself for other move forward into what could be a great path for you in your life and that transitionary period is the toughest one figuring it out is tough but think about it in that sense and and see if that gives you some form of clarity i got a few more here anushka somani asks is building your career greater than holding on to a relationship it's an individual choice you know most people say that you know you shouldn't put your career before your relationships or you should put it you know and on back and forth but relationships are core to happiness and what we all want to work towards in our life is to be happy and it's been scientifically proven this is howard study on happiness which we've done i think over the last like i don't know how long like 50 60 if not longer years um where they've actually deduced that hum- the core of human happiness comes from the connections we have with other people so you got to have relationships that you know you hold as you move ahead in life but that doesn't mean that you don't build your career so take a call basis that that you're not giving up all your relationships for your career because once you have all that success you have no one to share it with and even if you do find someone to share it with that point the chances of that being as deep might not be there um and that's it, at least what my perspective is it it can be different for many people so should you build your career and and kind of push away from all the relationships you have maybe not don't let go of all relationships but you can prioritize different things to a larger extent in different times in your life but um you got a lot of value from relationships and um, no amount of growth career wise at least that's what i believe um gives you that form of happiness and joy terrible at drawing these papers okay divesh asks how to deal with friendships who don't treat you as well or recognize your worth i think one of the core fundamentals of friendships is to be very clear and honest with each other if you kind of feel like a friendship you are a part of is one where you're not being treated well or being recognized the way you want to be you got to be straight about it you got to be honest about it and speak your mind there's a difference between speaking your mind and pointing a finger at someone else what tends to happen is when you speak your mind you tend to point a finger at saying this is how you're behaving versus if you say this is how i am feeling then the other person will actually lean in and listen to you because when you point a finger at someone they're going to go back and try to go into defense mode so if you're feeling this in a friendship you have lean in talk to them about how you're feeling in the friendship and if they're truly your friend they'll react in the right way if they don't maybe that doesn't maybe that wasn't as strong a friendship in the first place 
Okay, I got a few left. Akash513 asks, why did you choose to be a content creator besides sharing your learnings? I've always believed that I've all that creating content was something which I always wanted to do. I was that kid who would sit alone in a room with toys and makeup stories. Um, anything and everything which I heard, I would go around the house, around the locality and tell people about it. When I got onto a train with my parents, I would actually go and tell somebody in the adjoining compartment about everything that happened in our house that day. Uh, my parents weren't very excited about that last one. So I was always that person, but because I worked in television for a fair amount of time, because in my earlier entrepreneur stint um, at Glitch, I worked on the production side. I was always a part of it, but I was never really hands-on getting my hands dirty, as you say. And so when I got the opportunity after almost like 36 years of my life, um, I started to really understand the value of doing stuff by yourself. And I get an immense amount of satisfaction with just sharing things and creating content. And I just do it for satisfaction more than anything else. I think everything else is secondary, everything else is a bonus. And um, yeah, that's why I chose to be a content creator. All the other stuff came later. Okay, last one. This is Ninja asks, how to learn to give space to your partner? You learn to give space to your partner by actually turning around and understanding what their definition of space is. Because everybody requires different kind amounts of space. And some people require less space, some require more. It's about you having that conversation and really understanding how much they need and making sure you give that to them. And whenever you feel like you're going too far into that, also ask. I think we don't ask enough saying, Am I getting too much in your face? Is this invading into your space? These are simple statements and questions to ask and we don't ask them enough. And so actually ask those questions and make sure that you build a relationship where you both can be honest about your own space. You can be honest about when you don't stick to what you've decided as a couple and work at it. And, and that for me is the best way to understand the space you should give your partner. That's it. These are the questions we asked, answered this time. We're going to do this hopefully or rather surely once a month. So if you have more questions, make sure you drop it in the comments and we'll try to add them to the next batch of questions we're going to answer. We're going to try and make this a fun thing. Might even at some point consider doing a live streamed one, which I'm not promising because I cannot do late nights, but it's something we might do at some point of time. So drop your questions down there. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. The podcast episodes are going to come up soon and um, lots more newer formats as well. So hit subscribe, smash the bell icon. I'll see you guys in the next one. And if you're still here and if you've counted how many papers are still left on this desk, then drop in the number. We might just give you something. Not sure yet. We might just give you something. Drop it in the comments. <laughs>